0: that you bring out of Luke, chapter 20, verses 20 through 47. And I've titled the message, Critical Questions. And I thought I would Especially when you're embarking on a new path, you're going down a new direction, or you're starting a new uh, discipline in your life. Perhaps you're starting to cross fingers and you're like, I have no idea what everybody's talking about. They say what? They say box? They, you know, all these things. I have no idea what I want to hear that means. Well, you can do two things. You can take it till you make it. Or you can name it. mean And perhaps, what are those? Critical is defined as many things though. One definition is having a decisive or crucial importance to success, failure, or the existence of something. Critical questions are needed to gain the knowledge, skill, or the know-how, especially to achieve something like crossfitness. When I went to by asking critical questions whatever it is that I want to know. Sometimes I get into trouble because of this question. I you can ask, wife, I ask a lot of questions and sometimes those questions aren't received very well. experience with this relates to when I used to do martial arts and I would teach martial arts when when you teach something like martial arts you get students two types you have one who has that ultimate desire to listen and to learn and when they struggle with it they go I don't understand how this works, how do I do this and then you have those who want to learn and they start listening and when they struggle what they do is can you even do this? So now they want a demonstration. They're like, if I can't do it, it's impossible, right? So if I can't do it, then the teacher obviously can't. If you encounter the types of people that have those questions, why do you difficult Dale Moody was once criticized for his methods of reaching people with the gospel. His reply was, I agree, approve. I don't like the way I do it either. Tell me, how do you do it? So the one who was criticized says, "Why don't do it. And Moody responds, I like my way of doing it better than Designed to be critical, judgmental, and disapproving, sort of and those designed to bring clarity and understanding so that one's eyes may actually be opened. And I want us to evaluate the questions we ask and the questions we have asked of us. Are they critical? And in what way? Just so starting in verse 20, it says, They watched closely and sent spies who pretended to be righteous so they could catch him, Jesus, in what he said to hand him over to the God. Them, Teacher, we know that you speak and you teach correctly, and you don't show partiality, but teach truthfully the way of God. Is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But detecting their craftiness, he said to them, Show me the barriers. Whose image and inscription does it have? Caesar, they said. Well, then he told them, Give the Caesar the things that are They're being amazed at his answer. They became silent, and some of the Sadducees who say there is. marry, nor are given in marriage. for they can no longer die because they are like angels and are children of God, and they are children of the resurrection. Moses even indicated in the passage about the bush that the dead are raised, where he calls the Lord, the God of Abraham and the God of Abraham. no Longer dared to ask him anything. So then he, Jesus, said to them, How can they say the Messiah is the son of David? For David himself says in the book of Psalms, The Lord declared to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. David called him. Questions are asked for the up to the body. Going back to that first question they asked the in verse 20 to 26, it says, They watched. our language brings the idea that they were watching slyly on the side insidiously with evil intent. You see back in verse 19 remember that it said that they didn't want to do anything to Jesus sent Spies in, they're like, This is taking forever. You guys don't pretend like you want to know something. It says the spies they're consisting of their own disciples the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the Herodians. Matthew's gospel tells us this, Matthew 22 16. says, so, so they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, We know the truth. in, And they're pretending to be righteous. They're thinking that they have this difficulty of clutching. We know that you teach the truth. And, and we know that you don't show partiality. And we know that we can get the answer that we need from you. Our conscience is burning with this. We want to know what to do. And we pay taxes or not? way or the other and split his support right in half. Because if he says, yes, pay taxes to Caesar, then all his the dollars are going to be on and he with the Roman government. he speaks graciously don't believe him. For there are seven detestable things in his heart. Though his hatred is concealed by deception, his evil will be revealed in the assembly. Verse 27, the one who did the pit will fall into it in reverberable also writes, there's nothing reliable in what they say. Destruction is within them. Their throat is an open grave, and they flatter with their tongues. And again in Psalm 12, verse 2, says, they lie to one another. They speak with flattering lips and deceptive hearts. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips, and the tongue that speaks boastfully. They say, through they find the answer. Very right, much, of course, if we can get you much traffic in the morning, so I have one in my own pocket. And Jesus asked the question, Who's in it? The inscription doesn't have. Oh, come on, Jesus, just answer the question. It's Caesar's. Get them the result they wanted, and they realized they were not able to catch it. In fact, his answer was so amazing, they were silent. And then it's the next group with their critical question. Their question was designed only to ridicule. They said, We have a question for you, Jesus, and we want you to understand this is how foolish you are. Verse 27 says that some of the Sadducees who say there's no resurrection they came up and questioned the Teacher, Jesus wrote first that if a man's brother hath a wife and dies childless, his brother should take the wife for his offspring for his brother. Now, it's worth it. There were seven brothers. The first took a wife and died without children. Well, then the second also. And the third took her in the same way, and all seven died and left no children. Finally, the woman died too. Showing the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will this woman be? Children of this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are counted worthy to take part in that age and in the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage. For they can no longer die because they are like angels and are like children of God since they are children of the resurrection. I think I want to say... He calls the Lord, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living, because all are living to Him. Some of the scribes entered in said teaching "You have spoken loud. But all of them decided, don't ask Him any more questions. Okay, so some of the Sadducees come forward with a question of their own. Up a hypothetical that will be taken to an absurd conclusion. There's a based, based deeply, and they're deeply held theological beliefs. If you ever want to know the beliefs of the Sadducees, well, you have to remember that they don't believe. by God in the first five books written by Moses himself. And so they claim Moses never wrote about any of these doctrines. Therefore, we don't have any of these doctrines. And so they said, and by the way, you are foolish for believing in the resurrection. Let me show you So they said, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that a man's brother has a wife and dies childless. His brother should take his wife, should take the wife of the new fostering for his brother. And right, Moses did write about this. Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 5 to 10. when brothers live on the same property and one of them dies without a son, the wife of the dead man may, marry as, may not marry a stranger outside the family. Her brother in has to take her as his wife, have relations with the duty of a brother-in-law for her. The first son she bears will carry on the name of the dead brother, so his name will not be blotted out from Israel. But if the man doesn't want to marry a sister-in-law, she has to go to the elders at the city gate and say, my brother-in-law refuses to preserve his brother's name in Israel. He isn't from his foot and in his face and she will declare this is what is done to a man who will not build up his brother's house. And his family name in Israel will be the house of a man who sat on It's a long last name. Nobody wants to sign that. It was actually Jesus, there's seven brothers, okay? The first took a wife and died without children. The second took a wife and died without children. But the third took her and died without children one by one. In the same way, all seven died and left no children. First off, I've got to say, being number six or number seven on, woman also. That indicates she lived a long life without no other relations. She died, and now they're all in heaven. And so finally, as I just think, you know, obviously, you're going to see how ridiculous this looks, Jesus. She's married all seven of them. They all have died. So in heaven, who's my fishing? Are they all going to share it? I thought you were going to me. I don't know. Your question was it? marriage and the law and show, it's preposterous to think that. But Jesus, that is what Jesus can do. He gives an answer that doesn't address their situation but instead hits their belief and understanding of the resurrection. Jesus says, I think you are mistaken. You're confusing two things here. So he says, the children of this age marry and are given a accounted worthy, not those who earn, uh, but those who are counted worthy through faith in God and ultimately the sacrifice of Jesus, will take part in the next age in the resurrection from the dead. At that age, they will need everything. We It's nothing like this. We recognize things. Obviously, when we see descriptions of the Bible of heaven, we recognize things. When the Bible talks about a people from heaven that have been on the other side of the world, are recognizable. That's the transfiguration of the mountaintop. Elijah and Moses clearly identified. Sure, what we'll be like in heaven. Other than to know, we won't be disappointed. You won't be disappointed in heaven. Our God is far and above, greater than him, we can ever hope or imagine. So then Jesus tells them why their belief is often it pertains to another closely held belief. And they said they only they believe Moses and his writings are the only accepted scripture. And so they said there's no resurrection. Here's the scripture where he wrote about it, pay attention. Moses wrote, there's eternal life, there's resurrection. You miss the truth that the resurrection when Moses himself the like very folk for this ridiculous uh, idea of resurrection becomes. God says, "I am the God of." you not say, "I was the God of." Or Jesus, Jesus even says, "He is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living, because all are living to Him." Now, if the Sadducees would stop and think critically here that God is not the God of the dead. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all died. They all live because there's a resurrection. The character of God, the God of the living, requires there to be a resurrection. The response is some from some of the some of the scribes come and kind of say, Jesus, you've spoken loud. When they say, you spoken well, because they're like, oh my gosh, we finally have an answer for them. You have no idea how long they've been ridiculing us because we believe this, because the Pharisees accepted more Scripture than they did, and they accepted all these More questions. You see, there are critical questions that are designed for clarity. Jesus asked the question now. Verse 41, it says, Then he, Jesus, said to them, So how can they say that the Messiah is the son of David? For David himself says in the book of Psalms, The Lord declared to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make all your enemies your footstool. David calls him. I'm going He says, how can they say that the Messiah is the son of David? We just know what David himself says in the book of Psalms. The Lord declared, O my Lord, sit at my right hand and I make the enemies your footstool. Jesus is quoting from Psalm 110, verse 1. Now, critical scholars argue over who wrote this song. Jesus does it. He said it was David. Because he knows all things i trust tried that this is the declaration of it. How else does this make sense if Jesus is not God? If the Messiah is not God, and if the Messiah is not both man and God? Jesus is asking this question. The greetings because the greetings come with the identification. Well, I come Oh, how's it going? I'm so glad that I got to run into you. And they love that. That's what they live for. Why? Because then they get perks. Now they get to sit in the places of status and privilege because they're identifiable. They get the best seats in the synagogue. They get to sit up front. Just you know the front row. down, holy, but they won't escape judgment. In fact, their judgment will be harsher. In James chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Not many should desire to become teachers, but others because you know that we will receive a stricter judgment. So when you truthfully understand this, it's not to keep you from teaching. It's so that you would teach with truth, rightly, dividing the word of God. Taking all of that responsibility, not, not because of it, but for myself, it's not to temple for him. Right? He said, what a man is a justifies what you're doing. I never figured I had somebody in my family, my extended family, put, put my extended family. And he called, they called me up one day and they said, I don't want to be married anymore. I said, well, I'm sorry, that's too bad. Like, you I got to come in to somebody who professed to believe in Christ. I said, I'm sorry, you can't, you can't just give up on. at 2 o'clock. you're asking, and you're going, how close can I get to the edge of sin before I sin? How, how, much can I get away with it? You only ask the question because you want to know how far can you go? You ask the question of the idea that you're ready to do something because of beliefs, held in misunderstanding. Perhaps complaining the earthly, that represents a complete contrast to the picture of how a disciple should live. As a servant, as a child, as one carrying a cross, that's how we should live as disciples. Jesus wants us to be wary, be cautious and notice what they do, notice what they say, notice what they ask. Especially notice their motives, and most importantly, know their destiny. Scratch were experts. Experts at projecting a religious outward appearance. But it isn't enough. If the Caesar was Caesar's, and the God was God's, and without asking the question, and he says, What well, there is God did? recognize recognized Lord to you. Because our salvation and our resurrection is dependent upon who we believe Jesus Christ to be. and that is that much. It's a critical question. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. Lord, I thank you. question we have to ask is, are we saved? Have we recognized that Jesus is the one who died for our sins and that he is the only one who can save us? Because if we haven't answered that question, no other question matters.